If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew. The book of Matthew, the 16th chapter. We're going to start with the 28th verse. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, this is a a powerful message, and this line has been delivered by Jesus to the disciples right after he has told them about his crucifixion that is coming. And he is sharing with them. He has been been schooling the the, uh, Pharisees on the kingdom of God. And then he shares with the disciples, if you're going to side with me, you got to be willing to die with me. Mm. That's the kind of dedication that we have to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will stand for the truth and stand for the gospel all the days of our life. Who could say amen to that? And so Jesus is giving them this understanding, and then he moves into uh, which is kind of an odd statement right on the end of that. Some of you are not even going to die until you see me come into my kingdom. And I've, heard, I've seen many people through the years struggle over that particular verse because they're going, but those people died, and we're still waiting for Jesus to come into his kingdom. Well, let me answer this for you real quickly. Turn to the next chapter, chapter 17, and let's read from verse 1 to 13. Are you there? Now after six days, he made the statement, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Who did he say would, he said some of you will see, correct? He took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Now get this, and he was transfigured Before them, (laughs) his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. What do you think they were thinking in that moment? Can you imagine that moment? You're with with a man that you really admire. You're with a man that you think really has the answers. You see, they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for someone to overthrow earthly kingdoms and to raise up a kingdom. But suddenly, standing there with him, all of a sudden, they're privy to something that no one else in the world has ever seen. When the man that they understand as a man, an anointed man of God, suddenly begins to shine. Suddenly, light is emanating from his being. That's why John wrote that he is the light. I'm having fun, and I haven't even got started. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. How many have ever tried to stare into the sun, S-U-N? How many knows that you got to have some kind of eye protection to look at the sun? Yet they're standing there, and his face begins to be as bright as the sun. And we just get started. Can you imagine how loud and shouting I'm going to be for this done? Mm. His face looks like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Everything about him just went Everything went You could hear the kilowatts burning. There he was, all amped up. Is that a good word for my electricians? There he was, shining. They're going, we know him as the carpenter of Galilee. We know him as the man who can stump the religious crowd. We know him as the man who always has the perfect answer and has the most intriguing stories. 
We know him as a mighty healer. We've been with him on the Sea of Galilee and watched him take authority over nature. But we ain't never seen nothing like this. Mm. Now look at verse 3. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. <laughs> he hobnobs with the patriarchs. This ain't just a man. This is a man Moses comes to. And I don't know. They had to supernaturally know who these men were because I doubt there was any formal introduction. They're standing there, and they go, well, we thought we knew who he was, but... And here comes Moses. <laughs> mm. Look at this. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Moses, Elijah, two of the greatest characters of Old Testament truth, come to have a conversation with the man who's lit up brighter than the sun. Mm, I'm going to get wound up, can you tell? Mm. Whew. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. They're trying to build a memorial for this moment. How many of you ever had moments that you just wish you could build a memorial for? You just wish there was some way because Peter doesn't know what else to do. He's so dumbfounded by the moment, he's trying to find some religious activity he can do. How many understand that Jesus messes up religion? He doesn't mess up relationship, but he messes up religion because religion is man's attempt to please God. And God's not interested in your attempt. He's interested in the fact that he came and tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, you want to be friends? Think about it. He sends the Holy Spirit to draw you to the place of salvation. I've got notes. I ain't read a one of them. Look at this. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it, it is good for us to be here if you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. It ain't enough Jesus lit up. It ain't enough that Moses is in the house. It ain't enough that that old boy that left in a fiery chariot has now come back for a visit. And while he's so dumbfounded trying to figure out how to commemorate this moment and sound theologically correct, as he's still talking, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. while he's trying to build a religious thing that looks holy. God says, wait a minute, boy. He shows up in a cloud. And while he's still trying to get out something that sounds theologically correct, God says, hey, shut up just a minute. Say, you're so busy talking, you need to be listening because this is my boy. 
This is my son. He's not just the carpenter of Galilee that you know one-on-one. No, 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 no. He is much higher and more transcendent than you can imagine because heavenly hosts come to him to have conversation. This is my son. He's the one that's shining bright like the S-U-N. The S-O-N belongs to me, and I'm a proud papa. And if you're going to be wise, you're going to listen. Listen to what he has to say. Woo! We're going to find out how strong this is. Mm-hmm. And I ain't even done yet. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. They ate dirt. Well, what would you do? Come on, come on, holy folk. What would you do if God showed up in this room and a cloud set in this house? I won't allow fog machines in here unless maybe if we were doing a concert. But I won't allow a fog machine in here because if there comes a fog in this house, I want it to be the glory cloud of God. And if the glory cloud of God begins to fill this place, you know God's doing something in the house. It is no pseudo smoke we're shooting through this place. It is the glory of God. And I guarantee you that if the glory cloud of God comes into this place, every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl will be just like the priest on the day of Solomon when he, when he dedicated the temple. We'll all be laying nose down in the concrete in this room, magnifying, worshiping, praying and giving glory unto the one and only one who deserves all the praise. Man, am I having fun. I got to finish though. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Verse 7, but Jesus came and touched them. Oh, when does Jesus touch you? When you're so overwhelmed by his presence that you're laying down prostrate before him and you're magnifying his name while you're laying there, just expect a touch from Jesus. Mm. Look at this. <laughs> and he said to them, arise and do not be afraid. They fell in fear because of the voice of God, but he's telling them, get used to this, boys. God's going to be speaking to you a whole lot more in the days to come. Get used to this. Don't be afraid. Don't back away from your heavenly Father. Come to him. Verse 8. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Now, he's just taught them this is going to happen. Peter just got his ears slapped back whenever he said, Oh, no, this isn't going to happen. And Jesus had to tell him. One minute he says, Thou art blessed, O O Simon, son of of Barjona. But then... On the next breath, he's saying, get thee behind me, Satan, because you're not listening to the will of God. So now they're in this position. This has just been just moments from a few moments ago, and now they're, they're in a place of some total different thing they've never seen before. And so he tells them, don't tell the vision to anyone. And his disciples asked him, saying, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Now, see, they've just seen Elijah, so this question is in their mind. And Jesus answered them and said, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. So he refers to John the Baptist and the disciples... Uh, verse 13, then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. I want to talk to you real quickly today about suddenly. 
We talked about it Thursday night, and it was powerful as the Holy Spirit preached. Today I want to bring to you revelation that the Lord has laid upon my heart, and I pray that you are ready for it. And I'm going to lay this out for you the best that I can in the next few moments. In a message that I've titled, Suddenly is Now. Suddenly is now. The word suddenly is in the scripture 87 times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Suddenly simply means quickly and unexpected. Quickly and unexpectedly. Something happened. How many have had a suddenly in your life? How many, whenever Christ came into your life, it was a suddenly? You, didn't, you, didn't, you weren't really looking for him. He just, he came. And when he came, you couldn't help but run into him. So God moves in suddenlies. And he resides in the unexpected. Can you say amen to that? Throughout history, God always brings change, shift, overthrow restoration, and revival in suddenlies. And suddenly is now. Some of you will not leave this earth in death until they see the Son of Man, Christ, coming in his kingdom. As I told you, many people wrestled with that theological point because of the way we have put the divisions in the word of God. If you're reading down that chapter 16 and you stop at that last verse, 28, if you stop there and don't transition into the next chapter, you miss the fact that that is already fulfilled. And I've had, I've had pastors and theologians ask me that question and how the Lord ever taught this dummy to go on to the next chapter and figure that out I don't know but I've been able to share that revelation with people several times that it's already fulfilled it was fulfilled in Peter James and John six days later they saw what he was talking about when the son showed up in the fullness of his kingdom they got to see it they got to experience it and they saw what Jesus had been telling them about for three years here he is he is revealed he's not just a man he's more than a man he's a hundred percent man and 100 percent God and they got their first glimpse of what the kingdom is about about God God and man getting together once again. What was lost in the garden has been repaired through Christ Jesus, the one they're following, and they're getting a glimpse of what Calvary's all about, even though they forget from that experience until Calvary. They, they are getting a glimpse of what it's going to look like when the resurrected Christ fulfills what it is he's been sent to earth to fulfill. Mm. So here he is revealed more than a man. He is God. And they're just barely getting their eyes around that. Suddenly this man is now amped up. Who is he? What is going on? What in the world is going on with Jesus that his face could shine like the sun and his clothes are so bright that they're white as light coming out of him emanating from every pore of his being. Who is this man who can glow? Who is this man who, who can talk to the storm? Who is this man who can heal the sick and the lame and raise the dead? Who is this man? What is it about him that makes him so different and what's going on in this moment? Can you imagine trying to get your mind around that moment if you were talking to him one second and the next second his visage, his outer appearance completely changes before you. You would know something supernatural is going on. And so all of a sudden here he is God. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah. Pastor Terry, I've heard this taught so many different directions. Pastor Steve, Pastor Jerry, I've heard this taught so many times. 
that Moses and Elijah showed up to minister to Jesus. Sounds good. How holy does that sound? But may I suggest to you that Moses and Elijah didn't come to minister to Jesus, but to be ministered to by Jesus. And he brought, <laughs> remember all of those times Jesus stole away alone to pray? No one was privy to what he was doing. But this time, he opened the curtain. Boy, I could go back here and do this. He opened the curtain just a little bit for them to see what's really behind the veil of life. He pulls it back. He says, Peter, James, John, come here. They were his three. They were his homies. They were the three tightest. And he says, I'm, can I show you something? He probably was busting the gut to show him. Can I show you something? And he pulls the veil back just a little bit. And they see him for who he really is. <sighs> Bright as the sun. And the patriarchs of old are coming to receive counsel from him, the one we call friend. Are you with me so far? Could it be that we have misinterpreted this Mount of Transfiguration moment? Did Moses and Elijah come to minister to Jesus or were the disciples giving glimpses into eternity? Where Jesus is being revealed as the law and the prophets. You should be jumping your pew, shouting, and going crazy right now. I'll do it for you. Think about that. As they're standing there, they don't, it doesn't register. They're so busy trying to figure out what holy thing can we do here. That they don't realize Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. That sums up the totality of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. Moses is talking to Yeshua, the author and the finisher of the law. He's about to put the final exclamation on the law by fulfilling it himself. He has just told the disciples what the plan of God is for crucifixion. They're as dull as you and I. I'm going to say it. Don't be offended. They're as dumb as a box of rocks at the moment. It's not making sense because some things must be spiritually discerned. And he opens the veil just enough for them to get to see this plan is bigger than this earthly futility. God has a plan. He has sent me into time and space. And I'm here to let Moses know that his law will not be spurned forever and misrepresented. But I, the son of God, am here to Put the final exclamation on what I asked him to deliver when we struck up a relationship in the burning bush. Mm. Wow. Whew. Could it be? 
that the disciples witnessed Jesus teaching both Moses and Elijah what to do in their respective eras of the kingdom of God's fulfillment. How many understands that eternity does not have time and space? Could it be that Jesus has rolled back the curtain just enough to let them get a bird's eye view of him telling Moses about the law? Could it be looking in, they're witnessing the one who gave Elijah the boldness and the power to call down fire in his era of time. I'm going to mess you all up. Look at your neighbor and say, either that old boy's right or he is one messed up dude. Jesus is the finisher, the author and finisher of the law. Jesus is the word of the Lord. What does John 1, 1 say? Who was there that day? John. John got the revelation that day. He is the word. He is the word. And so Jesus is there teaching Moses the law. And he's there teaching, uh, he's there teaching Elijah that it's the word of the Lord, the prophetic utterance of the prophets is Christ Jesus. Everything that came out of the prophet's mouth was authored by Jesus. Jesus, when he came, wasn't un, he wasn't unaware of all that had happened to get him to this place. He was there when he said yes to the Father. He was there from the beginning of creation and to the ending of time, making sure that everything falls in line exactly the way it's supposed to fall in line. And he was there telling Moses what to say. And he was there helping Elijah call down fire and, and throwing down the Jezebel spirit. He's the one that brought a nation back. It wasn't just Elijah speaking something or calling down fire on the Mount of uh, Mount Carmel that made the difference. It was the fact that Jesus was telling him what to do and what to say and sending the fire that would take up and lick up all of the water that was poured on that sacrifice to prove to a backslidden nation there is a God there is a God and he's still on the throne and if you're on the Lord's side get over here so eternity has just opened up for the three soon to be apostles and they are dumbfounded by what they see the man they are following counseled the deliverer and the lawgiver of Israel and the one who called down the fire is being fired up right now by Jesus. Here is a secret revealed. And the disciples ask, why do they say Elijah must come in the end times to Israel? Well, verse 11 reveals the answer. He does return. Now, he talks about John the Baptist, that John the Baptist really had a, a spirit just like Elijah, that he was, he was bold, he was strong, he was powerful. He wouldn't back down. He wouldn't quit. But can I take you one step further? Can you handle it? Look at your neighbor and say, Bessie, can you take this? We haven't got our defibrillators in yet. Nobody pass out on me. So, verse 11, will Elijah come? Why do the, why do the prophets, why do the, the Pharisees say that Elijah must come before the end? Jesus said, well, he does return. Elijah will return in both an end-time boldness in the remnant church and the last-day prophets 
but he will also return as one of the in time witnesses. Now, I know we're getting into the book of Revelation. Everybody, just the hair stood up on the back of their neck. I want you to see something here. First of all, just like John the Baptist, that spirit of Elijah has been on the church all along. Because the one who authored what Elijah should say and do has orchestrated the church dynamic that you and I live in. He is the author and the finisher of the church. And you and I know by the signs of the time that we're living closer to the end than we ever have. But our assignment is not done just yet. For as long as the Gentiles still have the controlling interest of the church of Jesus Christ, we have a job to do and a world to win. And God is giving us the power of a fulfilled law and the fulfillment of prophecy. And he's given us the boldness of Elijah to call down the passion and the fire in the age and the day in which we live so that no one will perish, that no one who could listen in, no one who leans into the message will miss the message because you and I are living on the other side of the revealing of who he is. We know him to be God. We already understand what Peter, James, and John was seeing that day. He is the author of the law and the finisher of the law. He is the word and the prophetic utterance of all the ages and you and I carry his message and carry his mantle and walk in his resurrection power. You were born for such a time as this. I got to hurry. Elijah will return in the same boldness that he operated in during his lifetime here on earth. And Moses, the giver of law, will return as the other witness. Oh, I'm getting in deep and going to get a stone thrown at me in the parking lot. But let me show you something. Who else will the natural Jew believe who have not heard and accepted the message of Jesus Christ from the Gentiles? They're going to need characters they can believe in. And I don't want to disappoint anyone. We have the greatest mission on planet earth because we are carrying out what the Jews should have done. But because they lost their right and were put out of the wedding party of the kingdom and allowed to gnash their teeth, God is going to come back and make sure that they don't miss the window that he has reserved for them because that is the bride of his heart. That is the one that his eyes burn with fire and passion for because they were the children of promise and he wants them in the kingdom as badly as he wants you in the kingdom and he's going to send representation that the Jew can receive and who can they receive any more than Moses, the lawgiver, not understanding that it's Jesus who gave Moses the law. But this time when Moses comes, he's going to preach. I know the author of the law, and he's not just God alone. He is Yeshua, the Messiah that you have spurned all these generations. <laughs> There's fuzzy stuff on this. So where am I? Somebody tell me where I am. Okay. I'm on the platform, right? So who else will the Jew believe? And who else in the time of the Antichrist spirit ruling the world? Remember the saints, we're called away. Remember when our assignment is over, we're done. But Jesus isn't done. 
And he's going to send during the great deception of the world, the Antichrist spirit that you and I see stacking up right before our eyes. And he's going to send Moses someone they can trust. And then he's going to send the prophetic word through Elijah who will do mighty exploits and miracles for the Jews to see that rival the pseudo miracles of the Antichrist. And when they watch him and behold him, they will know this truly is the Elijah because he will back down from no one. And Moses will back down from no one. And they will preach to the Jew what the Gentile cannot reach the Jew with. They will because they trust them by position. Are you still with me? So who else could correctly interpret the Jewish law and tradition as it pertains to Christ Jesus, the fulfillment? Moses. The word by social media will experience their testimony, their death, and their resurrection. Are you still with me? And those who receive their testimony as truth, I'm talking about the Jews, will be ushered into the safety of Christ's kingdom. Those with a mark and those who reject the witness will experience the judge of all men riding through the clouds with a heavenly host and the saints of the ages for the final judgment of man. The disciples, I'm bouncing back. The disciples now dumbfounded and overwhelmed not only have witnessed Christ in his kingdom glory and authority, but have witnessed the role he has played in history past to bring about the fullness of God's plan into the future. They've also got a glimpse of his future in time instruction to the witnesses yet to come. And all of this before they were entrusted with their kingdom assignments. And while they are trying not to fall apart at what they have seen, they hear the voice of God affirming who they are following. God affirms to them who this rabbi is because he indeed is the only one-of-a-kind son of God. And so they do a face plant into the pavement. But wouldn't you? They have seen the power and the authority of the kingdom that Jesus says is at hand. No wonder when Jesus came, he had a hard time saying, Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of They couldn't get their mind around something they couldn't see. So what did he do? He opened up the veil of eternity to give them a glimpse so they could get just a smattering of a taste that he's more than what you are perceiving him to be. He doesn't just have earthly assignment. He has supernatural kingdom assignment. And where he goes, that kingdom, that was just unveiled to you is the kingdom that is with him at all times and it is at hand and he's about to entrust you with it. Thank you for that one enthusiastic Christian. They have seen the power and authority of the kingdom, Jesus says, is at hand because it is him. Jesus is the kingdom. And he's the kingdom in you by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The joy that they found a few days later in the upper room. 
And when they found that joy, they were transformed. Not the same men who were just fishermen of Galilee. They're not the same men who tried to go back when things went backwards and they didn't know what to do. These men now were empowered to understand that what they saw behind the veil was in their grasp. And wherever they go, he was there. The kingdom himself is with them. And the kingdom himself is with you. And wherever you go, whatever comes out of your mouth, whatever actions the Holy Spirit prompts you to do, do them for crying out loud. Don't stand back wondering if you should do it, wringing your hands or trying to do something religious like Peter, James, and John. No, lay your hands on the sick and watch them recover. Preach the truth on the beanie weenie aisle of Walmart. Be Christ wherever you go because the kingdom is in your hands. But it took them another suddenly before this all came together. It was called the upper room feeling. But on this day, the suddenly was now for them. And may I suggest, ladies and gentlemen, you were born for such a time as this. Church attendance is just attendance until you know who you are. When you know who you are, church attendance is an empowering and a reminder of who you are and what you're assigned to do and who you're assigned to so that we can go out of here with the suddenly of the upper room and the kingdom in our hands. Why did Jesus keep saying the kingdom is at hand, which means present, ever present? Why, why, why? Because he placed it in you. When his hands touch a leper, Oh, you guys aren't even mature enough to handle this. Like I am. When Jesus' hands touch the blind. When Jesus' hands touch deaf ears. Couldn't even have a good funeral around Jesus. Maybe we ought to sneak in some night to the funeral home. Wouldn't that mess this city up, turn them upside down? Can you imagine? Can you imagine at home? <laughs> we lost grandma. Dun, 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 dun. Sonny, let me in there. Mm, I got to get off this is silliness. Let me finish. I brought you this part. And you're going, don't get silly on this now. May I suggest that suddenly is now. It's not hope so or someday possibility of a kingdom. No. When Jesus rides through the clouds to establish his kingdom upon earth, it's because we made the way. We finished our assignment so we get a ride back with him and go, we get a ride back and fight off the hordes of hell, and it won't be a challenge. We get a ride back with him and see him now seated upon the throne that everyone in the first century was waiting on. Mm. It's a transformation that's happening right here right now as we step into our mission as we step and accept our mandate 
as we fulfill our call to host revival. Do not be afraid of this moment, for you were born for such a time as this. For our Messiah rides on suddenly. And as he did in the transfiguration and in the upper room infilling, he's the author of the suddenly now. Father, across this room, we lift our heart to you, for we have heard the challenge, Father, of your message. Father, we have seen behind the veil the plan that's been enacted all along. We understand that we are the carriers of the flame. We understand that we are in the fulfillment of the law. And the word of prophecy has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled in us. And we thank you, God, for the assignment that you have given to your church. And we thank you for the assignment you have given to us. And we will not back away from revival. And we will not be legislated out of the truth. And we will not back down just because someone outside does not understand the power of revival. We will not back down. We will not quit. We will not stop. But we will call down fire for a Mount Carmel challenge in our region for revival. We will stand and make both the oracle of God and the prophetic utterance of God to come together in the fulfillment of the one God, man, Christ Jesus. And we will be the representation of him in the earth realm. And we will stand up with the kingdom that is at hand. And we will turn our region upside down before the sounding of the trump. And we give you the honor, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. All right. You go, are you done? Yes. But you won't be the Baptist to the restaurant. It's not right, but it's funny. They let out three minutes ago. Let me do this. Gentlemen, I'm not sure where Kel went. Would you come and bring me some sweet music? Listen, listen. Let me, let me just re re relax you. You're not in a hurry. You are not in a hurry. Forgive me. I don't know where it comes from. You're not in a hurry today. Not in this moment. Because we're about to say yes and accept the mandate that God has for our time, our move. So you're not in a hurry. But how many of you are you're itching on the inside to go, yeah, yeah, I feel that. I sense that that's my assignment. Can I see just by uplifted hand, that's my assignment. Oh, look at that, all across the house. Look at that, look at that. This is my assignment to bring the truth of who Christ Jesus is. Now, arguably, before anyone gets offended, arguably, the possibility of who the two end-time witnesses are could be different than what I told you. But I don't think so. I'm not here to emphatically say you must ascribe to that thought. But I'm here to give you the spirit of what the word reveals. That Christ Jesus has had this in control from the beginning. And 
he will not fail his mission. In fact, on the cross, he said, it is finished. You're being retrofit into his victory. If that is your heart today, to be an end-time carrier of revival, I want you to be ready. Because I'm going to ask something of you in just a moment. But real quickly, with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. You're here in this room. Something about this message has sparked something on the inside of you that says yes. But you're not confident where you stand with God. You're not confident with where you are today. And you'd like for us to just pray with you about that. If that's you, would you raise your hand up real quickly and right back down. See, that's me you're talking about, Pastor. If you're streaming today, you can know him as your Lord and Savior. You can make sure that that unsettledness in your heart is settled. I'm going to ask this house to pray with me real quick. Lord Jesus, here I am. I have heard your truth. And I'm in need. I want to trade my current condition for your victory because I want to finish in kingdom purpose I want to finish and serve my Lord my Savior Jesus Christ come into my life and be the Lord of my life I change my mind today I'm not going to live the way I used to live. And I know I have a lot to learn. But I'm willing. Make yourself real to me in this moment. And I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.